and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove, and I'm joined by a man who would never slip at the final hurdle. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Oh, it still makes me laugh. Hello, buddy. How are you doing? I'm great. Uh, so we've got a listener question special. Yeah. We have listener questions to answer. But we have to start with analysis of a very important <laughs> video that's been doing the rounds on Twitter. Yeah. We'll link to it in the show notes if you haven't seen it. Um, but Total Soccer Show Monday co-host uh-huh. Ryan Bailey yeah. was recently in a foot race. Yeah. It was sports day at his kid's school. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the, the dads. So there were eight dads in uh, some sort of like 100-yard 100, 100 dash type mm-hmm. situation. Ryan bravely shared the video of the event because <laughs> here's what happens. He gets halfway. Yeah. And he falls flat on his face. He does. It was a very Steven Gerrard moment. But he does then have to finish the second half of the race, which is maybe my favorite part of the entire thing. And we have to analyze this video, right? I mean, I think so. We break it down on the total. It's pretty much his fault for posting it, yes. Yes. I mean, it's brave of him to post it. It is. It's brave of him to post (laughs) it. I I would not have. He lost to a man in a lion costume. He did. Mm. Man in the lion costume doesn't win the race. Mm -mm. Does really well, considering he's in the lion costume. He's on the the medal stable, yeah. Yeah, he's on the podium, right? Yeah. Um, All right, we've got to break this down. Uh Why does Ryan fall? I'm going to say... A combination of footwear, you got you got to prepare for these things, right? Wearing flats, I, like wearing athletic, flats. Yeah. I'm going to say there, there's a field issue. There's a, there's a, there is. Maybe it was like freshly laid turf. It wasn't, uh, but maybe maybe it was something he just wasn't prepared for. Maybe he hadn't tested the field prior mm-hmm. to the race. You know, you got to get out there and prepare for these well, things. Well, I'm looking at it, and I would encourage listeners to watch the video. Mm-hmm. Get as many views as possible on this thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> in that, there's a middle I have patch. It on a loop, there's so, yeah. a middle patch where there's no grass, mm-hmm. right? And I think Ryan runs through that, and it's just after that. That Bailey takes a tumble. I mean, it's a delicate situation, and I think <laughs> you know, if coming from England, maybe he's just not used to the uh, the, the varying climates and soil situations well, of North Carolina. The ground never gets that hard in England because there's so much rain that it's always got a little bit of gift to it. <laughs> maybe I know he's been in the US a while, right? Yeah. And he's been in North Carolina a while. Yeah, maybe he just hasn't adjusted. I mean, maybe not. But you know, <laughs> we, we feel for you, Ryan. I mean, the sunglasses—they uh, stayed on, so I've, that was good. Were they necessary? I, yeah, you know, I think what pe- when you start wearing sunglasses, they become necessary. Did they cause his downfall? Are they the wrong prescription? <laughs> I mean, if so, he's done plenty of simple contacts recently, <laughs> so he knows better. Here's my other my other take with this mm-hmm. is Ryan finishes eighth out of eight, right? Mm-hmm. After the fall, he kind of gets a – he does dust himself off and then walk to the finish line. He, he does a, like, a, a trot walk. A trot yes. walk. I feel like he could have got seventh if he just got up and sprinted. Would that have mattered? Away. Would that have made it better? I mean, maybe his wife wouldn't have laughed at him. Uh, she was already laughing. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it was yeah. too late. I, I think it's a credit he finishes the race. He gets a patronizing high five at the end of it, which is the <laughs> other terrific part of that video. <laughs> and at least the high five is three higher places than he finished. <laughs> he should solid. have had a high eight. That was solid. <laughs> I haven't watched a video this many times since I did like a video for the outside breaking down the infield rap. I watched it in like minute detail. Yeah, yeah. Same thing here. Same thing here. <laughs> oh, oh, Ryan, we, we tease because we love. We do. Yeah. But we also are maybe... Can you ask him about it on Monday as well oh, when he's on? believe I'm going to ask him about it on Monday. <laughs> uh, but we also maybe are, are excited in a better mood today uh, yeah. because you also got some good news. Oh, yes. So um, I got a, a scan mm-hmm. to check on the size of the tumors to see has the chemotherapy been working. And the cautiously optimistic good news is, knock on wood, yep. 
tumors have shrunk mm-hmm. at least a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know fully how much yet. There's like, I'm, I've got a meeting with the doctor next week. But the basic news is the chemotherapy is working at least in that tumors have shrunk. In your face tumors? In your face tumors. Do their faces? Ho- hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're troubling. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, I don't want to get carried away because it doesn't mean like it's all, it's definitely all good. But it's mm-hmm. at least, at least one bit of good news yes. <laughs> after the, after the last few Just minutes. Just going to keep knocking on with yeah. this entire time. So, yes. Yeah. I wanted to share that with mm-hmm. listeners because, yes. you know, we've, Put listeners through the ringer with with bad news in the last three months. <laughs> I did, I did enjoy. You got the news. You you shared it with me. We we had a, a very very yeah, happy hug. A man and hug. Then, and then yeah. you text and then you texted your wife because I think you weren't sure if she was like in a meeting. And then I just watched you stare at your phone and just waiting and waiting and waiting for her to text you back. And it was genuinely like one of the sweetest things I've ever seen. You, <laughs> I could tell it like I know that feeling of like I have news to share and my yeah, news yeah. is usually like. I got you an extra soda. Not like, not like, like the tumors are shrinking, and I, I can't imagine what that level of excitement must have been for yeah. you. Yeah, she. Did, if this is wondering, she did eventually respond. Yes, <laughs> after crying in her meeting. No, she did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, should we move on to listener yeah. questions? Let's do it. Okay, first question. Mm-hmm. So Come. I guess, but congratulations to Daryl. Commiserations to Ryan. <laughs> now we can move on to listener it's been questions. Been an up and down week for the soccer show co-host <laughs> James Zerbel with the first question. Why don't our national soccer teams have a nickname? Mm-hmm. Tree, Matildas, Three Lions, Celestau, all these names are synonymous with national teams and inspire pride. Do they though? USMNT or USWNT just mm-hmm. sounds so corporate. I think it means corporate. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds so type. Uh, I'm guessing like yeah. an autocorrect thing. Yeah. Corporate and boring. Do you know if there has ever been any talk of naming the teams? Uh, I think there has been. I think every whenever we get to a World Cup, I think there are lots of articles written about this very topic about yeah. how we need a national team, how it's been like the Yanks uh, in, mm-hmm. in times past, and the Stars and Stripes. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and so I think that yes, there's been talk about doing it, but not on an official level, right? Mm-hmm. It's mostly on message boards and on yeah. Twitter and in uh, articles. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think a part of that is because like like the federation can't do it. It's, it would be the equivalent of giving yourself a nickname. You never yeah. want to do that. You never uh-huh. want to be like I'm Tex. Like, oh, that's not a good. I mean, luck. they are like the US men's national team presented by Audi. Well, there's that. Yeah, the Audis. Let's just <laughs> go Audis. that way. Let's just go that way. Hey, this is Daryl cutting in to correct the error. I got it wrong. Uh, US soccer, the US national team is presented by Volkswagen, not Audi. I had the right country. I had the right product. It was German cars, but it's Volkswagen, not Audi. My apologies to US soccer because um, I know they've probably worked very hard to get that sponsorship deal. And that's why we should refer to the team as the USMNT VWs, of course. Or maybe the USMNT Beatles, the USMNT Bugs. I'll, I'll stop now and let you get back to the show. <laughs> it's uh, it's the US national team and uh, all of the Marvel movies. <laughs> I almost leaned over to you when we were watching Avengers to be like, it's amazing that in the future everything is Audi. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Who would have known? Yeah. Who would have known? Robert Downey Jr. can uh, like design any kind of high-end tech, but he, yeah. just, he just drives a car that he bought from a German company. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You'd build your own car if you had his tech, right? <laughs> you would think so. You would think so. Yeah. Um, yes. So I think there has been talk, but I also think that one of the reasons why it doesn't kind of come to fruition is because I'm not sure we need one. Because I'm not I'm sure... I would kind of argue that I don't know if those names do inspire pride. And that's where... Like, I would ask you, Daryl Grove, genuinely, I have it in my notes to ask you, is, like, how many of these teams do you think are actually called this versus how many teams do you think are called this, like, by the media and other fans? For example, uh, honest question, have you ever said, like, come on, Three Lions, or, like, I'm going to go watch the Three Lions? No. It's always just Mm -hmm. England or the national team yeah. or honestly the team mm-hmm. <laughs> during the World yeah. Cup right because you just know what you're referring to the lads. no one is ever like oh the three lions game is tonight mm-hmm. and I'll guarantee you as well the players aren't like yeah we're the three lions 
there's 11 of us, but we're the three lines. You know what I mean? Um, I honestly think it's like, it always looks better from the outside because you call other teams by their nickname. Mm-hmm. And like newspaper stories and uh, articles will sort of, you know that thing where you can't keep repeating yourself? So you can't keep saying England did this, England did that, England did this. Eventually, in an article, you'll be like, the three lions. Or yeah. if it's Cameroon, you'll be like, the indomitable lions. That's it's really just a yeah. variation to use. I, so I, at least with England, I don't feel it and I don't see it. Yeah, so I, I think that that's, I guess, what I feel as well is I'd be curious to see how many people say, like, yeah, do, do Nigerians say, like, come on, you super eagles? Do Egyptians say, like, up the golden pharaohs? I doubt that. Yeah. So I think it's probably something that makes it easier to write about the team and talk about the team and for pundits to talk about the teams. Um, I'm sure there are, like, the Selechao for Brazil or the selection, I know that exists elsewhere. Yeah. That one makes a little more sense to me because it, it implies the kind of, like, honorific title of being included in yeah, the team yeah. that but even, makes but even if you think about it what does that mean it just means the selection it just yeah. means the players that we picked yeah, you know yeah what I mean? but, but i guess that one does have more of like a, again like an honorific thing of like you are in the selection like yeah. i can see how maybe if you're the player or maybe you talk about the selection and but then i think that relates to history and while the men's national team has been to a lot of world cups maybe the US most recently, yeah that I don't know if they would qualify. So I'd say maybe the women's team qualifies in the sense that like they've won three. Uh-huh. Maybe they deserve like the selection instead of the U.S. women's national team. One thing I actually quite like about the USMNT, mm-hmm. USWNT thing is that we seem to be the only nation that sort of specifies which team because they're of equal importance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like the, the three Lions sort of came first in England mm-hmm. and I think they call the, the England women's team, the nickname is the Lionesses. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, and it's almost sort of weirdly derivative of what the men's team because the men's team was famous first. Yep. USMNT and USWNT, it's it's more equal, right? Even if maybe US soccer don't always treat it that way. Yeah, so I mean, that's that, a different podcast. That's a different podcast. Um, and and then, but I think also then to go back to like why it maybe doesn't happen. I also think it's because the United States is very big. And then like, what do you go with? It's really hard, I think, to find something that's like unique and interesting that isn't also a stereotype. Or sort of strange. Oh, like, yeah. I don't want to call, no disrespect to the Dallas Stars, I believe. Like, I don't want to say, like, go Stars. I don't want to say, go Stripes. Like, I don't know. It, that feels, again, that feels kind of like that feels manufactured to me. And here's my ultimate argument. Um, James says it feels corporate to be mm-hmm. USMNT, USWNT. I don't think the US Soccer Federation or any corporation did that, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, it has kind of evolved from fans, as I understand it. So in that sense, it's an organic name that's come about, USMNT. Well, I mean, it's just the abbreviation. Yeah, but it's just a thing that we started using. No one told us to do it. We just kind of did it as yeah, fans. But, I, I mean, that's... I, I feel like, so I, that's why I'm saying it's organic. Like, and that's why I, I mean, think I, it's okay. I feel like an abbreviation is an abbreviation. I don't know if it's like an organic offshoot of something else. But it's it doesn't like, happen in England, right? We don't call them the EMNT. Yeah, I suppose. I think yeah, that's just because it's unique is, to us. I think it's probably unique because we don't have one. I think that's yeah. probably where it comes from. I think it's. I think it's a very American because there are so many abbreviations mm-hmm. like NCAA, NBA, MLB. I kind of think that where it, it's where it comes from is just Americans tend to abbreviate long words and call something by that. I mean, you have MI six. I, I, I hear your abbreviations. <laughs> Mission Impossible 6? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Um, so hopefully we made some sense of that question. Yeah, I mean, essentially, we don't need one. We're good. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, my, yeah. that's my take. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. But uh, maybe if James has uh, suggestions or wants to come up with one and like start the campaign, yeah. we'll get a change.org petition to yeah. get that nickname If going. anyone wants to tweet us like, actually good suggestions, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to hear them and then shoot them down on Twitter. I'm sticking, I'm sticking with national <laughs> and rational for now. National and rational. That's yeah. it, actually. That's the best one. There you go. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Jeremy Griever, who asks, if Bobby Wood were to move to MLS, what team or teams would be a good fit? Ooh. Okay, before we get into this, mm-hmm. I think it's worth clarifying Bobby Wood's situation, right? Mm-hmm. He is, it's a situation. It's a situation. He's a Hamburg player. Yep. Uh, he is on loan for the season at Hanover because Hamburg were relegated. 
He hasn't played since March because he's had knee injury problems. I just read that he was back in training, mm-hmm. but they played Bayern Munich away this weekend, so I don't know if he'll be back for that one. Um, he has scored three goals in 20 games for Hanover and they're bottom of the Bundesliga. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Things are not looking good for Hanover or Bobby Wood. And I think also not looking as rosy for Hamburg at one point. They seemed like they were going to be like automatic for promotion. Yeah. I have the I have the stats. They are fourth in go. the two Bundesliga. Um, they uh, are only they're level on points with uh, Berlin, mm-hmm. who are third, and a point behind Paderborn, who are second. Mm-hmm. You need to finish top two to go automatic. You need to finish third to be in the sort of promotion relegation playoff there that they go. do between the sixteenth and third place team. So it mm-hmm. could be that Hamburg get promoted, and then his loan is over. Bobby Woods contracted till twenty twenty one with Hamburg. Then he's a Bundesliga player again, right? So maybe he wouldn't need to move to MLS. Except that they've. I feel like I've seen plenty of reporting that they do not plan to continue to pay him. They want to get rid because the key thing here is that he's on $4 million a year. He's got two years remaining after the season, which is $8 million for a club like Hamburg who want to reinvest, who want to kind of strengthen and maybe don't want to go back to playing Bobby Wood up top. I was being optimistic and thinking, oh, they'd welcome him back when they're back in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I don't think so. So maybe if he takes a massive salary cut, but even if he doesn't do that or even if Hamburg don't take him back, then you're looking at him – Probably wanting like DP money. Maybe you can get him as a TAM, but I think it's going to require uh, a designated player slot. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to TAM him at four mm. million, right? I'd I mean, also probably say, take a pay cut, but not that big of a pay cut. Yeah. Before we actually get into where where he could go in MLS, mm-hmm. this wouldn't be a good time for him to go to MLS, right? Because you think of when national team players have come back nope. or come to MLS mm-hmm. for the first time, it's usually when their profile is high, right? When Dempsey came, it was because he was you know on a peak. Bradley and Altidore, mm-hmm. the same. Um, Jermaine Jones the same it feels like a coup to get the person yes yeah. right now signing Bobby Wood because he was part of the 2017 failure because he hasn't been in the national team in a little while because he hasn't been turning it on in Germany it wouldn't be like a hey everybody we got Bobby Wood let's fill the stadium it just unfortunately, even though he's, I think he's a really talented striker mm-hmm. um, it doesn't quite have that, that, that marketing glow about it yeah. right? and so I feel like I'm going to unintentionally throw shade with my with my suggestions because okay. I think that kind of factored into my estimations mm-hmm. of I, I do think it would probably require him being a DP and I do think it would require him going to a place that would be excited to have him as yep. opposed to like, yeah, we signed a striker. So like as an example. And a lot of teams already have high profile strikers, right? Very true. You could, you could maybe see him at the LA Galaxy, but they got Zlatan. You, yeah. don't, you don't need Bobby no. Wood, no. for example. And also they don't have any DP slots. Yes. So then you're going to have to do a lot of financial uh-huh. maneuvering, which the LA Galaxy have already tried to do this season. It didn't yeah. work out. But like similarly, like the Red Bulls, I that seems like it would be a decent fit. It seems like they have the spot. He could go there. He'd probably want to be in New York or New Jersey. Uh, but, like, I don't know if they'd want to spend that, the amount of money it would take to get him because there's also going to be a transfer fee and then that salary on top. Also, is he as good as Bradley Wright Phillips at uh, closing down options for yep. the press? I don't think he is at all, right? So there you go. Yeah. So, I, uh, so I think you then have to kind of reevaluate cr- your criteria, which is exactly what I've done. Uh, of the teams that I think I went through, I'm not sure if this is, I can't remember because I did this research like four or five days ago, um, <laughs> but I think these are the teams Proof, that- We put thought into our listener questions. We do. Uh, I maybe, guess like maybe three days much? ago. Yeah, probably. Uh, the teams that I spotted that have open DP slots where maybe you can make an argument were FC Cincinnati, Colorado Rapids, New England, Red Bulls, and the Philadelphia Union. Okay. Of those, I would say the two that seem the most likely to me if he were to go would be New England and Cincinnati. All right. I went Colorado Rapids. Okay. Because I think he could partner Kai Kamara. Mm-hmm. And also, they're not really spending DP money except on Tim Howard. Yep. They're not spending any money at all is the problem, right? This would mm-hmm. d- require a change in thought from... Uh, yeah, he's their only DP, right? I for think Colorado. So, yeah. This would require a change in thought from uh, Kroenke. 
But yeah, I think uh, Bobby Wood to Colorado Rapids would at least reinvigorate the franchise a little bit. I mean, except that what they just sacked their manager, yeah. Connor Casey, uh-huh. that's led to a lot of internet consternation. Yeah, I don't know if that's where he would want to go right now to like see. I'm still a good striker. I'm going to go to a place that's <laughs> completely that seems to be completely unstable on the outside. But maybe it's where you're needed, not where you want to go. <laughs> I mean, possibly. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what it would be for New England, maybe a little bit. Yeah, because I feel like Brad Friedel. The U.S. national team connections might look at that and think like, yeah, that's a player we can get in. I think that's the type of move that the Crafts would want to make, which is like, we don't have to spend $15 million to get this player in on a transfer. We can kind of bring them in, but it's a national team player. He has name recognition enough that we could bring him in. It would probably turn a couple heads. Yeah. So I think that would that's why maybe New England makes sense to me. Honestly, New England have been so disappointing in terms of their stadium search and everything. Mm-hmm. He would be the perfect disappointing DP signing. Yes. Yes, that's so harsh, but so true. And I know this probably isn't what... DP stands for disappointing player. Yes, perfect, in this (laughs) case. And this probably isn't what Jeremy was looking for, because I'm sure there was like more of the, like, what does his style, his unique skill set bring? Oh, that's why I thought Colorado, Mm because I thought Kai Kamara with some knockdowns, Bobby Wood running off him, like Kai Kamara gets a strike partner. I actually think that that would work in Colorado. That's why I've gone with Cincinnati. Okay. Because you could do the exact same thing. Fernando Addy is back with the team, I believe, uh, after some legal issues. Uh, But I think the same thing. You, You could play, and Fernando Addy, I think... I can't remember if he does he want to play in a four four two or a two striker system. I don't know. But either way I think he wants somebody buzzing around him who can run off the ball. That's what we saw with Portland. He had kind of wide players and then like Diego Valeri sitting underneath mm-hmm. who can like link up and combine. That feels like Bobby Wood could thrive in that one. Bobby Wood could be the mobile one and uh you know, run in behind and it gives you like a multiple threat system for FC Cincinnati. But then it's also the case that like that's a splash. Like like because I was looking previously at like Fabian Johnson as a as a DP signing that made sense to me in terms of it has the name recognition. Uh, FC Cincinnati have tried to kind of embrace the German tradition. Yeah. So bringing in Bobby Wood from the Bundesliga, like maybe you could sell it that way. But it feels like for a team that only a couple of years ago were in USL and like maybe dreaming of Major League Soccer to suddenly be employing Bobby Wood would yeah. be a very exciting thing. Okay. Uh, my other suggestion um, is the Portland Timbers. Mm-hmm. They don't have any DP slots available right now. They do have sort of, they've gone to like a weird, I've, I've seen their formation lately, it's a weird 4-4-2, not weird, it's a 4-4-2 with a Bobasi and sort of Diego Valeri like underneath him. Um, I kind of think Bobby Wood is a slight, is, is an actual upgrade on a Bobasi, mm-hmm. right? So you could have a Bobasi and Bobby Wood maybe uh, switching out as a striker or you can put them as a pair um, and move Valeri back into a more central midfield spot. Uh, the problem is the three DPs they already have. Nicholas Milano, Milano as, from what I've seen, has not been that impressive for Lucas, his DP. Lucas Milano? Maybe. Yeah. Mr. Milano has not been that <laughs> impressive uh, f- from what I can understand. Yeah. So maybe that would be someone that they could move on and bring in Bobby Wood instead, and it's a bit of an upgrade. The Nicholas is farther north of Portland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So I, I guess though, then like if, if you're bringing in Bobby Wood as a DP player and being like, we're going to rotate you with a Bovise, I do wonder how he's going to feel about that one. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to hamper the play your kids thing. Okay. But I also could see it. Plus, um, Bobby Wood. I don't know if his uh, family is still there, but he's from Hawaii, right? Mm-hmm. So West Coast makes sense because you're a little closer. That's that's why when you said New Jersey, I was like, eh, there's an extra flight for him. Eh, still I mean, it's closer than Germany. Still closer. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then the other option is maybe he's a expansion team signing. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, what is currently called into Miami, mm-hmm. starting in, theoretically starting in 2020, oh, if they find right. a stadium uh, to play in. Maybe Nashville Soccer Club. I was following Neil These guys Lyman's, don't have signings yet, right? So Bobby Wood wouldn't be a bad first signing. Ooh, Nashville. Nashville's mm-hmm. a good shout. A little more central, so yeah. you're a little closer to that coast. Bobby would like country. I, we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> Get him some hot chicken. We'll see how it goes. <laughs>
<laughs> Any other suggestions for Bobby Wood? Uh, no, that's it for me. I didn't think expansion. Expansion, expansion is a good shot. Yeah, especially because two teams coming into it. And that does feel like a thing that like Atlanta did when they brought in Kenwin Jones. Yes. Before like, they had On made... Time. Yeah, they well, that's yeah. true. But they brought in a player that we were like, oh... Okay, like I know that player that and didn't end up necessarily fitting with what they were trying to do, but yeah, yeah. It, it was a sort of statement of intent. So I, yeah, I, that said, I feel like the Miami Beckhams are gonna Beckhams. like sign Cristiano Ronaldo, the Boca Raton Beckhams. Yeah, it keeps moving. Yeah, we'll see what they end up being, but I feel like they would go with like we're gonna bring in Cristiano Ronaldo in twenty thirty six. That's our plan. <laughs> we, we've signed him to a deal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right, final question on this: um, Would Bobby Wood destroy an MLS? No, no. Mm-mm. I think he'd score a bunch of goals. I think he'd. I think Jesse's artist going a bunch of. Goals I think he'd do fine. I don't mean this as a criticism of Bobby Wood. I also don't mean this as like a glowing statement about Major League Soccer. But I just don't think the league is like that, where it sort of is what. Like when David Beckham came in, I genuinely thought like, oh, he is going to annihilate this league. Like because there was like you had players at that point making what like seventeen thousand dollars a season. Like yeah. I think the league has improved from top to bottom since those days that I don't think one player can come in and have that massive an impact unless it's somebody like Zlatan Ibrahimovic unless okay. you have this like next level player right. I, I think he'd come in I think he'd do fine so he'd, sc- he'd score a bunch of goals yeah. but not like 35 goals he'd maybe score 15-20 no. goals a season yeah. so he'd be a good signing but yeah. just not like a game changer exactly yeah, okay. that's, that's my feeling I think that's and, and that may also be informed by the fact that like again he has not been as successful in the Bundesliga as we thought he was going to be, certainly not as successful as we thought he was. 3 20 this yeah. season. Yeah. Also, honestly, I would not sign him as a DP and spend big money because these knee problems seem to be recurring. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, and I, I don't take any pleasure in saying that, obviously, but I'm a little concerned about him because this isn't the first time he's been out with knee problems. Yeah, exactly. And so that also factors into my answer is just that, like, I don't know if I'm talking about Bobby Wood from my memory of him scoring goals again, like in like big moments for the national team and being like, ooh, like this. This guy's really exciting, or yeah. more recently, where it's sort of like, oh, poor Bobby Wood not getting service. I just realized travel and artificial mm-hmm. turf, none of those things are good for your knees. Non-charter travel at yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. his, his legs crunched up in yeah. coach. Oh, no, Bobby Wood. All right, All right. Let's move on to another American, <laughs> yes. shall we? Uh, Kai Weidinger uh, asks, what would Christian Pulisic's transfer value be if he weren't American, but instead were a random small from a small European nation? So this is interesting because I, I take from this question that Kai is suggesting that the nationality of a player affects his transfer value. Um, yeah. In, in a, I assume he's suggesting maybe a marketing kind of way. Is, I think that what, so. is that what we're getting at here? Yeah, I think so. I think that there's, there's – You and I haven't talked about this, right? But No, I think especially when it comes to the Premier League, I think that is a factor. That if you're looking at it from a we want to remain a global club with yeah. like lots of like far-reaching contacts, I think you do look at some of the marketability of players – Christian Pulisic is a big one, that he has huge reach in the United States. That's why teams come here and play in the preseason, because yeah. they want to get American audiences, not just the ticket sales on the day, but the attention, the eyes that maybe leads to long-term investment, long-term fandom. Okay, so as we quantify this, mm-hmm. is it? it's not like the, the classic thing that everyone goes to of like jersey sales. I don't think it's just that Chelsea would sell a bunch of Pulisic jerseys, not well, they, enough to make up the transfer. Well, they right? don't care about that either. It's because yeah. Adidas gets that money. Yes. yes. So it's more... Or whoever Chelsea have. Yeah, it's, it's more about um, like market penetration, right? Just sort of getting fans in America in general, right? Well, Does that make more sense? Kind of, but I actually kind of disagree with you because I think that you want jersey sales. They do care about jersey sales, not because they make the money, but because the next time they can get a jersey sponsorship, now they can kind of up that value okay. because look how many jerseys we sold in the United States. But I think what I'm driving at is it's not all about jerseys. It's mm-hmm. about like global fan base, yeah, right? Yeah. And you have more, you have a load more Chelsea fans in mm-hmm. the US because actually in a weird way, they're yeah, not that well so. represented. Like the people we hear from here in the US, it's a lot of Arsenal fans, Liverpool fans, mm-hmm. Spurs fans, Man United fans, some Man City fans. Chelsea seems, of the big six, maybe the, the, the team we hear about the least from American fans, yeah. right? I'm I'd making a sweeping generalization there, but that is our anecdotal evidence. No, I, th- I think it. it's because
because a lot of people, unless you happen to like get into soccer at a time when Jose Mourinho was maybe there the first time and was like this exciting manager who's come in, he's kind of suddenly he's besting Sir Alex Ferguson. Like if you were there for that period of time, and I do think I have friends who were there, and that's why they are Chelsea fans. Like yeah. that's why they stuck with it. But after that, it becomes sort of. Same old Chelsea, boring Chelsea, boring Mourinho. Then there's all this like weird flux, and you don't know if yeah. they're going to win it or be rough. And and then they're going to fire the manager the next season. And so I think it makes it harder to kind of support them on a consistent basis. I do think you're right that of those big six, they're probably the least supported, at least in terms of the people that I know. And this could be a game changer then mm-hmm. for Chelsea. Okay, so here is his transfer fee: Chelsea paid Borussia Dortmund 64 million euros. Mm. That's 73 million dollars. That's 54 million. Great British pounds, mm. which is a fluctuating value at the moment because Brexit. Um, so how much – I guess the, the, the way of thinking about this is then if we think of him as being from a small European nation where Chelsea don't care about the market, um, how much of that transfer value is Chelsea paying for American market? This is not going to be a popular segment, I don't think. Okay. Um, because I looked at it as he's a 20-year-old attacker, lots of national team experience. He has 25 caps, 10 goals, but not playing much this season. Yeah. And like – has had spells where it was like, ooh, he is this next level player. He appears in the Guardians, like, best whatever under whatever. Yeah. Um, but I would say he's, he isn't that sort of, like, oh, he is tearing it up to the extent that, like, everybody wants him. Like, Usman Dembele, we watched him and we were sort of like, ooh, he's kind of getting that attention. He's kind of playing at that next level. Yeah, we, also watched, him on, we also watched him on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, that's true. <laughs> but, but my point remains that, like, I think it's the same thing with Jaden Sancho now is there's, there has kind of been, consistently been another attacker for Dortmund mm-hmm. that we've looked at him and like, ooh, they're competing. And it is sort of Christian Pulisic is running slightly behind. Yeah. Jayden, and that's kind of a, the best case. Jaden Sancho's season is just phenomenal, yeah. though, right? It's sort of unprecedented for a teenager to mm-hmm. to do that. I would argue that as a what is he twenty, Christian Pulisic, what he's accomplished as a twenty year old. Um, I think you, it almost justifies the really high transfer value because you pay you're paying for a young player with a lot of potential, but also someone who can has proven that he can contribute straight away. Not this season, but in previous seasons. I, I guess I I not to take issue with it, but like, what do you mean when you say he's accomplished a lot? I mean, his, his I've seen him caps. play for Borussia Dortmund and, like, destroy Real Madrid. You know what I mean? He's had these moments where he has looked... Destroy like this, Madrid? Yeah, I mean, that assist to Andre Schuller you know, uh-huh. be, that would be a really dangerous player. I, like, see, I, I think, think there's a recency bias of his bad form uh-huh. uh, and injuries and stuff this season. See, I, I, I think we're on different pages here because, yeah. for me, like, I really like Christian Pulisic. Don't get me wrong. I really appreciate everything he brings, especially to the national team. But I don't think I've ever seen him, like, be the dominant force in a game. I think I see moments from him where I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's what sets him apart. There's no other American who could do that in an attacking role in the Bundesliga for that good of a club. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I just don't think he. I've seen him be that like game changer who Dortmund are looking to to make something happen when they're down and need something to matter. So is it, is it more that Chelsea are paying for potential then? I think so. It's a 20 year old who's accomplished a lot for a 20 year old yeah. at the very least, mm-hmm. which I would argue justifies this really high price tag. So cards on the table, I would say, in terms of the uh, let's say uh, 64 million euros that they paid. I would say only five to ten million could be the inflation um, of of uh, penetrating the American market, mm-hmm. and then we've also got to factor in Chelsea knew there was a transfer ban coming, and they had to do something in January. So maybe there's an extra maybe there's an extra five to ten million that's not about America. It's about we've got to yeah. do this now because we're not allowed to sign anyone for the next twelve months. Well, and they also knew that other clubs were then going to yes. to jack that price up, yeah. and probably other. And Dortmund did, mm-hmm. knowing that a ban is coming. They they have all the all the leverage to say like, yeah. now we want ten. So I think you're, I do think that it probably was inflated by about twenty million pounds. Okay. I do think about probably you say ten for America, ten for Chelsea's desperation. Pretty much <laughs> uh, because I look at a player like Yuri Tielemans, who is twenty one years old, played 
uh, over 100 times for Anderlecht, played uh, about 47 times for Monaco, 11 times for Leicester this season. Transfer market, make of that what you will, values him at 25 million euros. I would say he's way higher than that. Leicester are going to have to pay much more than that to he's get a, him this season. He's a good contrast as well because he also had a bad season with Monaco, like yep. similar to the not good season that Christian Pulisic's mm-hmm. having right now. But now has come to Leicester and has proven he can do it. Yeah. So I think that probably raises him a little bit higher. Uh-huh. But it's still that like I think they're probably going to end up paying like 40 or 45 for Yuri Tielemans, who is a little bit more of a proven entity, at least when it comes to the oh, Premier League. Oh, signed him. Is he on loan? He's on loan. Oh, so okay. that's what I'm saying. They're going to have to spend. But like, I don't think like his current valuation is 25 million euros. That's not what they're going to get him for. It also depends on contract stuff, mm-hmm. right? I can't remember when Pulisic's con- Dortmund contract was going to expire. Did he have another year on it, maybe? I think so. at, at least. I don't know when Tielemans expires. And I think that factors into transfer value a lot, right? Because mm-hmm. if you wait till the end of the contract, you get him for zero. So especially the last year of the contract, your transfer value goes down. So it's really hard to place yep. like valuations on players in terms of the transfer market because the contract thing factors into it a lot, mm-hmm. right? So I, I think I'm, I'm, I was going to say like £40 million, but you could bump it up to I 45 was, I, and I'd, I'd agree. I was working in euros. Yeah. So, but, so, I, but I'm going off, you, you said £54 million is what uh, they yeah. paid for him. So I'd say, yeah, like probably 40, 40 to 45 is what I think. All right. That, I think that feels about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. And, and especially if Usman Dembele is worth 100 and something. Yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Don't let Graham Hunter hear you talk about that. Graham oh. Hunter is, is still on the uh, Usman Dembele is the truth train. He doesn't know where to find me. <laughs> uh, and listeners, if you didn't like that, uh, you can send your comments to Daryl at TotalSoccerShow.com. <laughs> Today's show is sponsored by Things You Put On Your Head, Talisman Caps. Things You Put On Your Head, indeed. I was wearing one yesterday. I was wearing their street soccer hat yesterday. I'm not yeah. wearing it today uh, because I'm heading to, out to coach after this. Not supposed to wear hats when coaching. Is that it doesn't right? make you look professional. But ah. you would look professional, I think, with a talisman cap because, as we <laughs> said before, it sort of is like sporty but then also has like the fashion style with like nice bold colors to it. Yep. So you could sort of toe that line pretty well of like, no, no, it's fashionable and well put together. But it's also sporty and does what it's supposed to be doing, which is shooting you from the sun. If Ryan Bailey had worn a hat instead of sunglasses, <laughs> maybe he stays on his feet. Wouldn't it have flown off? I guess I, if he fitted it correctly. Like, they've got the adjustable strap. You yes. fit correctly. Suddenly oh, that hat's not Ryan, going anywhere. You were $35 um, or less if you use the TSS discount code <laughs> away from winning that race. I think we've stumbled upon TSS uh, like advertisers will, will save you embarrassment when you're running. Put some simple contacts in. You don't have to wear sunglasses. <laughs> and then wear a talisman cap. Now you're yeah. covered. Group 6 belt. Keep your pants up. There we go. Yeah. I mean, that, the, we don't know. Maybe that did factor into it. I think he was wearing athletic shorts. Yeah. Should note that the person who won the race was wearing uh, jeans and boots. Suit. Yeah. Oh, no. The, oh, no. Sorry, he was second. Me. Yes. Yeah. So jeans and boots beat uh, athletic shorts. <laughs> Don't let out there. There are all kinds of designs mm-hmm. available from Talisman Caps, which, by the way, is an independent company based in St. Paul, Minnesota. Minnesota's mm-hmm. the state. Minneapolis is the city, right? Yes. St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, donated that out. We'll keep that in. Minnesota? Uh, Minnesota. It's a smaller version. My wa- <laughs> it's like West Virginia. It's a small state. My wife history. and I listen to uh, the Case File podcast, which yeah. is narrated by an Australian. And whenever he says Maryland, it's like my favorite thing in the world because it's like Maryland. And I'm like, I don't know what that state is. I don't know what you're talking about, but you just said it there with a Minnesota. Lot of, a lot of English people call it Maryland. Like, they really pronounce the Mary like, mm-hmm. like the Queen's name. It's not yours anymore. Yeah, I know exactly, right? <laughs> Is that uh, our attempt to reclaim it? It's I think so. Pronouncing <laughs> it's, it incorrectly. It's, it's if you attempt to reclaim through branding. I like <laughs> yeah. it. So, yeah, there are all kinds of designs. There are, like, iconic players. There are team-specific ones. 
Taylor, you took a look at the store. Like, yeah. any, anything that stood out to you? Anything that you thought, I'll put that on my head? Um, I'll, I'll go new first. I checked out their newer options. They've got the, uh, I believe Miguel Ibarra is what you told me. I got excited because I thought they had a Batman hat. And I was like, <laughs> I want Batman playing soccer. I would pay for lots of different comic book characters playing soccer. It occurs to me now that would probably be a rights issue. Yes. Uh, yes, but they do have one. I think it's Miguel Ibarra dressed as Batman. Yes. Uh, I like that one. I also <laughs> think, given that we just did the Women's World Cup uh, roster selection yes, discussion show, that. you haven't heard it yet. Uh, you could go the Be a Legend hat and mm-hmm. get uh, Mia Ham on your head so yep. you can support the Women's National Not actual Mia Ham, right? <laughs> no. It's a yeah. depiction of Mia Ham. Yes. Yes. It's not the giant like blow-up face that you have of like Clinton Dempsey in the background. Yes. No, you don't have that either. It's, it's, a, it's a hat. It's a nice hat at that. And any of the caps we mentioned, uh, you can get 20% off if you get to talismancaps.com and you use the discount code Total Soccer 20. That's the words Total Soccer, or one word, the number's 20. Total Soccer 20. 20% off any cap that's $35 or more. Pretty much all the caps are $35, unless they're already on sale, in which case you're getting a discount anyway. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, do that. Get a hat. Cover your eyes. Don't fall. Don't become a laughing stock in front of the entire school. <laughs> Thank you to Talisman Caps for sponsoring today's episode. Next question, Mr. Grove. Is coming up on my screen mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> And it comes from Dustin Wood. <laughs> Just smooth, right? Dustin Wood asks us, with MLS recently announcing their intentions to expand to 30 teams and assuming Sacramento and St. Louis finally, all caps from Dustin, get the 28th and 29th team, to which city would you award the 30th team? You can make it any city for any reason, but if you answer Richmond, I need your second choice. Um, I did a quick count here because I was kind of confused by this. So 24 teams right now. Nashville, Miami is 26. Sacramento, St. Louis, 27, 28. I was confused for a moment. Austin being 29. Mm. Forgot about Austin. Sneaking in there. They are indeed. In well said. So I, um, as I am wont to do, I made this a less like emotional choice for me because... Is your choice not Richmond? Uh, it's not Richmond. No, and it's not even because I did this show with Josh and Laura many, many, many years oh, ago yeah. where they both chose the two teams that were going to be the... I think Josh chose Atlanta, Laura chose Minnesota, I chose Louisville, that show. And I made a compelling and stellar argument for why it should be Louisville. Isn't, isn't Richmond your other Louisville? What do you mean? Oh, isn't Louisville your other Richmond? Basically. Just the other place you've lived in the U.S. I, I never lived in Louisville. Oh, I just, well, I I just very much... No, I just enjoyed Louisville. No, we you were... nearby? We were... No, we were, we were far, far away in, oh. in the dry, dry, dry county of Danville. <laughs> the dry, yes. dry, dry county. Then moist, now very wet. It's <laughs> how it's gone that way. Uh, yes. No, uh, I just... Yeah, I enjoyed Louisville. I enjoy cities on a river. Basically, I, th- I think of Louisville as like bigger Richmond, and then I think yeah. of Kansas City as bigger Louisville. I That's see. about how it goes. So the, the more west you go, the bigger and more on a river it gets, I guess. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I do like Louisville. Uh, they would be my like personal choice, uh, but they've got USL like Premier written all over them. When that whole sort of promotion relegation situation yeah, happens, yeah, yeah. more on that in a little bit. And it's a team that's proven itself in the USL, yeah. uh, what's now the USL yeah. Championship, by literally winning the championship. Yeah, right? but like they're playing in a baseball stadium, you'd have to like change yeah, yeah. change a lot of things, and that seems like it's far off. Hey, quick update slash correction. Uh, neither of us knew, but Louisville City actually does have a new stadium in the works. Uh, scheduled to be completed for the 2020 season. It's a $65 million soccer-specific stadium with 11,300 seats. Well done, Louisville. That sounds good. And it seems like it adds them to the realistic conversation about who could be that 30th MLS expansion team. I looked at the ones who are like the most likely scenarios, and my, my money would be on either Phoenix or Raleigh. That's what okay. I'm Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Talk me through why. 
So, I mean, they are the two who I think are like, – Phoenix especially is the one who's kind of in the pole position to get that 30th spot. They've got the kind of ownership group with Didier Drogba on board. So we're I, talking about Phoenix Rising being yes. elevated yes. to a Major League Soccer franchise, which I, is my preferred way of, I think, doing things. At yeah. least it's some weird form of promotion. <laughs> exactly. Right? It's, it's a weird form. Yeah. It's an American it's form. Like, it's like the Minnesota model, it, right? It counts yeah. as a form. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think it's – they're working towards getting a soccer-specific stadium. I think the plans are already in the works. I think it's a market that MLS wants to go towards as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it balances it out a little bit. I'm not sure what they're going to do in terms of Austin counting east or west. So mm. you kind of got to look at conferences a little bit and what weird – Things have to happen for it to be equal numbers on both sides. Yeah. Um, but I think that's where Phoenix makes sense to me and the proximity to like California. And you can kind of make some rivalries there if you need to. Mm-hmm. Raleigh, I think, makes sense because I grew up playing soccer in Virginia and North Carolina. Had a lot of very good teams. Castle like kind of combining and was always a threat. And so I always thought of Raleigh as this place, like this imposing place where if you go and win there, it's a big deal. So that's probably my <laughs> personal. That's fine, though. That's a yeah, good reason. That's probably like a personal factor that, that does kind of play into it. Yeah. But also, I do think they are aggressively working towards it. I think they're trying to compete so North with Charlotte. Carolina FC? Yeah, I yeah. think they're trying to compete with Charlotte because Charlotte are also trying to yeah. put together a bid. Uh, but Raleigh, to me, is one that I think they'll be looking at, especially because I think they want to kind of sort of spread out where their teams are. Again, I'm looking at this from a promote or like not a promotion, but like a, a little bit MLS corporate standpoint. Yeah. And that they want greater coverage and I think there's a, a lack of teams there's in no the MLS South. team in the Carolinas right no and, yeah. there's, and look at the South like if you kind of remove Florida from that equation you've got Atlanta and that's it yeah. so I mean and Texas is its own thing not Please don't email texting people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think maybe putting one in North Carolina is a way they'll go. Isn't there also, there's a good chance of it happening because I want to say one of the rally owners, mm-hmm. uh, the North Carolina owners, is uh, Mr. Malik, who mm-hmm. is part of U.S. soccer. Mm-hmm. So there's some like connections behind what? the scenes there that might make No, they would never happen. let conflicts of interest and intertwine like, personal <laughs> loyalties factor into yeah. corporate decisions. No. Uh, uh, okay, so I, I think <laughs> I'm with you. My choice was Phoenix. Okay. My, my why, why was Phoenix your choice? Uh, because it seems like they've got it together and because the ownership group is star-studded, it makes me kind of excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only drawback, I think, is the the stadium, right? I don't think they have um, a site for the stadium or they don't uh, necessarily have yeah. it all figured out just yet. Because my original answer was going to be it's whichever team can privately build a stadium downtown, yep. right, mm-hmm. with no public money. Because I'm, I'm really against public yep. money for stadiums. So I think it's a waste of uh, public money. It doesn't give return on investment. But if the private company or the individuals can do it, but I couldn't find a team that had that. There was no team that had a downtown location and had the like fully someone saying, "Yeah, I'll just build a stadium with my own money." I so, Rich- Richmond's got a quote unquote yes, soccer specific stadium. Honestly, my actual choice of the question: if I could put a team anywhere, mm-hmm. it would be Richmond, right? Because I plan on living in Richmond yeah. like, for the, the yeah. immediate future, for the long term. I think I would just love an MLS team in my town. I would love to see the kickers elevated to Major League Soccer. Uh, I mean, you could take City Stadium and build a whole MLS stadium on that site. It's a downtown stadium. It would need a, an ownership group with even more money, right? Mm-hmm. But I would just love having an MLS team in town. I would be. I would be slightly apprehensive, and this is me being like probably a bad fan of like I've had enough. Like I've I grew up being a Washington professional football team fan. I've talked about it many times. There's enough shame there for me that it's just like ah, like it makes me sad. So 
not that like the Richmond kickers are anything c- close to that, but the pressure of like watching our like if Richmond did get an MLS team and it was like six thousand people there, I'd be like, oh no, like I feel personally responsible. I feel personal stake in getting yeah. thousands more people to games. Yeah, and I don't know if I want that pressure, Daryl. Right. So yeah, the problem is that Richmond's maybe not a big enough market mm-hmm. for MLS right now. Right. What Metro? We're like one point three million, something like that. I don't think that ranks high enough for. Uh, but for much MLS. like Bear Island, every every Richmonder counts for forty soccer fans. <laughs> But I, I do think if it was like big name players mm-hmm. coming to town, you d- you definitely get like ten thousand or more, right? Yeah. But I think MLS wants even more than that. I think so. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. My other choice. Um, would I know make- that makes me a lame, a lame fan, but it's the reality of yeah, like yeah. I would be bummed out to see like a half full stadium for Richmond versus Chicago or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, come on, people, let's get it together. <laughs> I don't want that pressure. Um, Detroit, mm-hmm. if it was the elevation of Detroit City FC mm-hmm. to Major League Soccer, I'd be all in. Because Detroit is, you know, it's a big city. It has all the ma- all the other major sports franchises, mm-hmm. right, I think. Yeah, they got all four. Yep. Um, so it would make sense to have an MLS team in Detroit, but I would not want it to be something that swallows or tramples on Detroit City FC. And then they were also, they were one of the leading contenders mm-hmm. uh, for a while there. I think the major issue, the major stumbling block is that they want to play in the Silver Dome or they want to play in a football stadium, basically. So their, their bid would... Not incorporate a soccer-specific stadium or anything like Ford that. Field. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, where the, Lions yeah play. the Silverdome would be a more controversial choice. Yeah. I think I'm not even sure that exists. The other maybe good choice is San Diego. Landon mm-hmm. Donovan is involved yeah. in the, the San Diego uh, bid. I like it because there's so much talent in California. Mm-hmm. That an extra MLS team um, in California in San Diego probably means that like, we get that development academy. You get a path to the first team. You maybe in just in terms of the good of the U.S. national team, you're tapping into even more talent in San Diego, right? And you get right down there near the border as well. So like a lot more, a lot more Mexican American players. Hopefully, um, I'd, I'd be 100 percent on board if they were the San Diego Whales, and I'll leave it at San that. Diego Whales <laughs> um, would be great. But they also have stadium problems, right? They try to yep. get public funding. Mm-hmm. Wisely, the public voted against it. It yep. was defeated, and I think the bid right now is, oh, we'd play at the San Diego State. Uh, Stadium yeah. where they where they play football and that would not be a good look. Not right? too much. So no. yeah, yeah. So congratulations to Phoenix. Yeah, I guess Phoenix yeah. is okay. what we're going with. Right. Mm-hmm. Also, Joe Lowry writes uh, a tactics uh, blog. Mm-hmm. Blog, I guess is the correct word. Still um, writes about Phoenix Rising tactics. All I right. think it's called Tactics Rising. Let's make sure that we got. Tactics. Let's make sure we've got that right. Because yeah. every time somebody asks me how our blog is going, a little part of me dies. Okay. Yeah. He has a website. A web, okay. The website's the word. There I'm we go. For, yes. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, we get good tactical insight on Phoenix from Joe Lowry. Hopefully designed by Wix. We're bringing all the sponsors <laughs> into it now. Um, next question comes from Joseph McGregor. Does you USL split into three divisions and MLS's continued and future expansion point towards eventual promotion relegation. I wrote yes, maybe. Yep. I said yes in a limited form. But maybe not for a long time. And likely without MLS. Yeah. So so the big picture thing I think would involve Major League Soccer essentially buying USL Mm -hmm. and swallowing it so that USL just becomes MLS farther down the table, right? That's, I think that's a long way in the future and then pro-rel happening because of all the reasons that pro-rel is complicated. Um, I think the more likely short to medium term thing is promotion relegation within USL. Yep. Fair? Yep. So within USL right now, you have the USL Championship, which has 36 teams in an Eastern Conference and a Western Conference. That's many. Um, it's many. But this start in the season, the Richmond Kickers are in USL League One, which currently has 10 teams and is expanding um, in, in the next few years. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that in the future there's promotion between the USL Championship, Tier 2, and uh, USL League 1, 
tier three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and you have USL League Two, but right now uh, Travis Travis uh, did a show about it today on yeah. Top Door Soccer Show. Talked to Chris Madden of USL League Two, but that is all amateurs, correct? So it's, especially the PDL. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah I think Travis especially un- Travis under twenty three. He, he had to make a concerted effort not to call it the PDL. Yeah, throughout the show. we've been calling that for a long, long time. Yeah. right. I think yeah. there was one point where he was like the PUSL two. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so I think like if you remove that, maybe eventually that becomes like USL development or something like that, and yeah. the USL League Two like became an actual like another like you kind of spread the teams out even more. Mm-hmm. Suddenly it does feel like three leagues where you have pro rail between them that makes a little more sense to me. So USL president Jake Edwards, mm-hmm. he's hinted at promotion relegation between the Championship and League One. Here's what he said recently. You ready? It's a long quote, but I think it's. I've never been more ready. Okay. <laughs> You look ready. Enthusiasm. Uh, so this is in a Sports Illustrated article. Mm-hmm. I think it was Grant Wall asked him, um, you know, does USL Championship, USL League One mean that we're going to get pro rail? Here's what Jack Edwards said. I think there's a realistic possibility of promotion relegation. Um, the sport is evolving. The sport is changing. What is considered normal now might not be correct in a couple of seasons' time. How we're approaching that, and I get asked the question all the time, is the launch of our second league, League One. A lot of focus and attention needs to go into building that league up over a short period of time, but we've got to get the right owners in League One, the right stadiums and infrastructure. Mm -hmm. We've got to make sure the quality on the field is at a good standard. You have to create parity as much as you can between the two divisions, Championship and League One. Of course, the Championship will be different from League One in many respects, but it can't be obscenely different. So what I'm hearing there is, yes, maybe, if we can make League One teams... Um, comparable to championship teams mm-hmm. so that it's not too big of a jump. What I'm hearing there is like chef's kiss of like a, a beautiful lesson on how to talk soccer in the modern era in yep. the United States because he gives you like, yes, but, and maybe, but still, and therefore, but. Uh-huh. Like it's so perfectly structured in terms of like, we think so, but we have to do this, but we're not there yet. But if we get there, but then if yeah. we get there, we have to do this first. The- it's a very good... The, way of kind of telling that The line. clever part of it is he doesn't say, no. yes, there'll be, we're looking at doing pro rel mm-hmm. in a couple of seasons' time. He says, what is considered normal now might not be correct in a couple of seasons' yep. time, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very, I mean, Jacob is a smart man, right? Like, USL is growing. He's, he's doing a good job. Um, again, right now, USL is 36 teams, um, 18 in the East, 18 in the West. They're going to add teams. Eventually, I think they'll have like 20 in the East, 20 in the West. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, they'll, they'll be building up USL League One. But it's going to take a while for League One to be big enough and have the correct infrastructure uh, that those teams can be promoted up to the championship. Yeah. I, and, and so I'd agree with all that. I would just say I really – the expansion of Major League Soccer I feel like is a separate thing. It doesn't really factor into my estimations of promotion relegation or what USL is doing because I think they're trying to expand to – I think they'll probably get to 32 and maybe they actually, yes. and maybe they actually end up going the like NFL route, and they have conferences. I hope they don't do that, but I think that like that's you can't kind of expand that much, and then be like, oh, and now we're splitting into MLS one and MLS two, and each one has sixteen teams in it. I think teams would be very upset by that. So yeah. I feel like when promotion relegation will maybe become a thing for MLS is when they're really struggling to generate interest, and they got to kind of change it up a little There's bit. There's no more expansion fees. We need something else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's the answer, right? I would. So Jake Edwards says a couple of seasons. I think it's going to take at least that long to build up League One, yep. and then maybe I think we're looking at seven years yep. before there's any. I chance was going to say between five to ten, so sure. Five to, yeah, mm-hmm. seven and a half years yep. until there's pro rail in the US. So. Perfect. <laughs> Next question mm-hmm. comes from mm-hmm. Mike Kemp. Yeah, who would be a better Scotland national team manager, Bruce Arena or David Moyes? Both were linked to the job today. Not today, today, when Mike sent this email today. Both were linked to the job recently. Bruce Arena or David Moyes? 100 billion percent 
David Moyes. Why so? Oh my God. Because first of all... I mean, for example, one of them's already been a national team manager, one of them hasn't. Yeah, uh-huh. how'd that go? I mean, pretty well in 2002. Exactly. And I think, but actually, I know you say that in jest, but like, or well, I guess kind of seriously, because it was good in 2002, but it's the reality, is that I do think Bruce Arena is more behind it. I think I don't think we see him get another coaching gig unless he really, really, really works hard. I'm surprised he wants one. I, yeah, as am I. He was He's, so good on Fox with his hands. Actually, I'm not. Now that I think about it, oh God. But I think... I, I think so much of what has happened since 2017 has been him sort of, oh, it wasn't really my fault. I inherited a broken locker room. Oh, these issues, this player, this stuff. And I think he, maybe it does make sense then that he's kind of trying to explain it away to give himself a narrative of that wasn't really my fault. That's not really who I am. Look at my past successes. But yeah. I don't think that would appeal to Scotland. I don't think it would appeal to Scotland because he's not known there. Whereas David Moyes is a known entity. Yeah. And not just because he like managed Manchester United, managed Everton, has had less success lately, but it's because he's Scottish. He West Ham. And that's a huge deal. He did. That's a huge deal, though, because uh, the only non-Scottish manager is Bertie Votes. That was from 2002 to 2004. Aside from that, it's been all Scotland. Or it's been all Scottish people. So yeah. like, I don't think David or Bruce Arena would just come in and be like, Yep, this is the guy for us now. I think the only way you're going that route is to find somebody who makes sense. Bertie Votes had, I think, successfully managed Germany or somewhat successfully at that point. When you were 96. There it is. So I, I couldn't, what I meant was I couldn't remember if he was coming off of a victory and was like, Scotland's the way to go. Yeah. But like, I think that's the only way that they would maybe kind of look to a, a quote-unquote like foreigner to come in and, and coach the national team. Aside from that, I think they're going to want to keep it within the country. Yeah, I think if you're going to go foreign... Go unicorns. If you're going to go foreign <laughs> to manage the unicorns, mm-hmm. then you, you, you have to go big, 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 right? To make it, to make it worthwhile having the trade-off of the lack of... The, the national pride that you lose in not having a, a, yep. a manager from your nation, it's got to then be like... Um, I'm trying to think of a high-profile manager. It's got to, it's got to be like Jurgen Klopp or someone. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's got to be really worth it. It's and it's and even and even this is a bad example, but like I equate it with England. It's gonna be Mukzadam eventually going with like yeah, Mukzadam, like eventually going like Fabio Capello. Like at the time that was seen of like this is a coup to get yeah. this guy in, and I think that's when you you break with somewhat tradition or Sven. You know, mm-hmm. gets Sven in there, and you know he does Sven things. Yeah. Um, but I would also add though sure that is. like Scotland. I love Scotland. It is not as prestigious of like a national team coaching gig as it might seem. You look yeah. at their recent managers, Gordon Strachan, Alex McLeish, Craig Levine. Like those aren't names that you think of as like, oh, they were like like I think the only one who in the, in my mind was in there was Alex McLeish the first time around in 2007 was sort of this like up and coming young exciting yeah, yeah. manager. Aside from that, it's are you Scottish and have you coached before? <laughs> Let's give it a go and see what happens. <laughs> and David Moyes would be the mm-hmm. most high profile Scottish manager in a good old while, right? Because I mean, so long in the Premier League Everton. Man- yeah, but he, Gordon Strachan never managed Everton or Manchester United. Like, he's never actually managed a club of that size. So bad, I didn't give him his proper title. We Gordon Strachan. There it is. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, just to really fully answer this question, mm-hmm. only one of these men really knows the Scottish player, Paul, yep. and it's David Moyes, mm-hmm. right? That's the real answer, right? David Moyes has a familiarity with Scottish football, Scottish players, that Bruce Arena would be learning on the job, and it's not worth the trade-off. It is not. Yeah. No, I, I, do, I think it actually makes sense. I think it's, it's a good step for David Moyes to go, because I do think that it's similar to what I was talking about with Jose Mourinho, I think, yesterday. I can't remember anymore. That, like, it's, it's where you go. I do think, like, national team gigs, especially if you've kind of managed – in a certain way for a long time, you can kind of bring that to a national team. And I think if it lends itself to knockout competitions mm-hmm. or really like specified coaching for, you know, like World Cup qualification, I think that makes a little bit more sense. And I think that would suit David Moyes maybe as opposed to managing in Spain. Yeah. And I'd also say Bruce Arena's tactics are outdated, mm-hmm. like as in they're not, they're not, they're not um, up with the Jurgen Club Guardiola era. Are they not? Uh, they're not. 
David Moy is kind of the same, but I think David Moy is slightly less so. And is Scottish. So he's just slightly less of a dinosaur and is Scottish. That's, yeah. that, that's what it always yes. goes to me. And as we all know, if it ain't Scottish, it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get to uh, our remaining listener questions, we should talk about a non-Scottish American product. It's Grip 6 Belts. Yes. Today's show is brought to you by Grip 6 Belts. If it's not Grip 6, it's crap. That is definitely true. Yes. That is my feeling because I wear them all the time. If I'm wearing a belt, it's Grip 6. It's Ryan a- Bailey should have been wearing a Grip 6 belt, as we've already covered. <laughs> Definitely, he wouldn't. He would not have slipped. <laughs> I mean, we're talking a buckle that's aircraft-grade aluminum. Aircraft-grade? That's what it says right here. The strap is durable nylon webbing with a breaking strength of 2,700 pounds. That means it could even hold up Ryan's mom. Is the- oh, <gasps> no. Whoa. I can't believe you went there. <laughs> he won't hear it. <laughs> Love to Ryan's mother. <laughs> Love to Ryan's mother, from me at least. <laughs> so, yeah, 20, did you say 27,000 pounds? 2,700 pounds. 2,700 pounds, mm-hmm. that that's what the grip six belt can hold. Okay, yeah. so I'm I'm good for I'm good for it to gain a bit more weight, yeah. um, and still have my grip six belt a, a bit more, yeah, <laughs> like another two hundred. Yes, that's it. You're really pushing it in our, in our 350 square foot room. Daryl's really taking up a lot of a lot of space in here. Yes, um, but grip six started in a garage, probably not much bigger than this space, uh-huh. uh, in uh, the garage of BJ Minson, the owner and inventor of grip six. And I do appreciate that because um, my brother and sister law started their business in a garage yeah. like and it's it's going well but i like the idea of like independent organizations like started at the grassroots level and continuing to expand from there it's what we've done as well so mm-hmm. it always kind of resonates with me that as well yeah and this, there is mm-hmm. a patriotic angle to this right mm-hmm. if you want to buy something um conceived in the u.s manufactured in the u.s and still completely made in the U.S., mm-hmm. Grip 6 Belts, it's that company, right? Yep. Everything about Grip 6 Belts is American. Mm-hmm. And as is their guarantee. As uh, is their guarantee. Their guarantee, yes. That's so, how you know it's American. It's got uh, the word damn yeah, in it. Exactly. <laughs> Anytime, any condition, any reason, you can return that Grip 6 Belt. They will send you a new one. They will replace any broken parts. You can look uh, just as good the first day you got it as the last day you wore it. All right. And the discount um, is special for Total Soccer Show listeners. It's not a code it's a secret url that you only know if you listen to the show secret secret it's grip6.com slash tss mm-hmm. grip6.com slash tss and there you will find the total soccer show discounts you sure will there are varying discounts as well we'll mm-hmm. leave it even more secret and mysterious <laughs> but yes grip6.com slash tss thank you very much to grip6 for sponsoring today's episode commiserations to ryan bailey and ryan's mother whom i assume is lovely and now i feel bad uh you should, I feel like you should. yeah it's fine it's fine <laughs> All right, we have two more questions. Uh-huh. Um, am I asking or are you? Uh, I believe it's my turn to okay, ask, let's do uh, it. because I was very excited to get to say 100 million percent David Moyes. <laughs> uh, Ryan Downey, in the year 2040, will there be more English players in the NFL or more American players in the Premier League? So when we first heard this question, I was like, there are no English players in the NFL, are there? I, looked I, it up. I, I, I was shocked when you told me. I looked it up, at least on Wikipedia, which mm-hmm. I know is not a perfect source, but apparently there are five English players in the NFL. Some of sort them, of. Some of them are like, British American, like dual national type. Well, type I'm, I'm, the sort of I'm going with is that three of them are free agents. And three of them are free agents yes. at, at time of whoever put the Wikipedia. Page so I don't together. think that necessarily counts because yeah. I don't think like I don't think you could say like I'm technically a free agent and I've thought about playing in England, so yeah. I'm a Premier League player. But does that mean you have an NFL contract? But you're I, th- a free I think agent? it means you you have at some point been signed uh, to an by yeah. an NFL team. So you're in the NFL sort of. I'm, right? I may have been signed by a team. You don't know. Anyway, the, the names are uh, Jay. Ajayi, mm. Jack Crawford, who sounds very English. Mm. He should be on Downton Abbey. Um, Jermaine Elamuno, um, Alex Gray, and Manelik Watson. Is is Jack a like 
posh enough aristocratic name? Doesn't it need a few more hyphenates to it's be It's probably un-dramatic? not his real name. It's like it's kind of like John F. Kennedy, where like maybe people oh. call you Jack. Okay. That's not your real name. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? All right, I'm with you now. Yeah. I'm with you now. I've never seen that movie, <laughs> by the way, so, so I can't really speculate. So let's say there are five mm-hmm. um, English or English American Gen- people generously sure. in the uh-huh. NFL in the year 2040. My guess is there are more. American soccer players in the Premier League than English players in the NFL. I agree. Mostly because Americans are getting better at soccer, and I'm not sure English people are getting better at American football. No, I mean, I think that, that's <laughs> a huge part of this for me, is that like we've had Americans playing soccer at like varying degrees of competitive levels uh, professionally since the 1990s. We're still like struggling to find consistent minutes, uh, or Americans are struggling to find consistent minutes in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You have not had... Lots Don't give up, Emerson Hyman. Don't give exactly. up. Exactly, but you do—you have not had like lo- lots of Brits putting together American football teams and trying to find a way to compete w- with NFL yes. teams and make their way into the NFL. Like there are probably individual players that have done that, individual teams maybe in in London and the yeah. greater. But there's not a production system like there's no. over here. Right? No, and I think even the ones that you mentioned, like the one who actually is playing for Atlanta, the I think he's a tight end, Alex Gray. Yeah, he I think was a rugby player. Like, and yeah. I think like went he to played the, rugby sevens, went to yeah. the Olympics for rugby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then like. That makes a little bit and, more sense. And by the way, rugby sevens is all about being fast because okay. a lot of it's literally seven aside rugby on a full size mm-hmm. field. So there's yeah. a lot of open space to run into. Yeah, <laughs> I, I also think like again, maybe a little bit controversially, I also don't know how big of a draw the NFL will be in 2040, given the way Ooh. kind of concussions have gone. I, I've I felt that way for a long time that like it could be a sport that maybe people look at and think like I don't know if I want my kids to play head to head because it. I mean, look at what soccer has done at youth level to remove headers from the equation because they don't even want people yeah. head, kids heading the ball until they can know proper technique and know exactly how to do it. You you can guarantee that to some extent with like pee wee football, but you're still gonna have little kids hitting each other. And I That's think so. I do wonder how even if it will be that big of a draw. And similarly, I wonder how big like what was the uh, USL uh, person you were quoting earlier? Jake Edwards. Thank you, Jake yeah. Edwards. Uh, like his point about like we don't know like five years ago what we know today or what whatever. Like yeah. uh, we don't know in. What? How many years? Eleven years? If the Premier League will still be the Premier League, or if the Bundesliga will have taken over, La Liga will have more of a draw, or France will oh, be bought out by every Qatari, like uh, what, like crown prince, and yeah, then suddenly, Bre- yeah, actually could tank the Premier League. Exactly. So, like, that's the other element there is like maybe it becomes a less competitive league, and then you have more Americans <laughs> able to play there. Kind of cases there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think I mm-hmm. guess is that more Americans playing soccer in the Premier League in 2040. I think this question is somewhat inspired, maybe. By Harry Kane's suggestion that he so he loves the NFL, um, but mm-hmm. um, maybe would like to after he retires from playing professional soccer would like to go and be a kicker in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that you didn't do what you did yesterday when we discussed this question. What's that? I think you said like this question is spurred by oh, Harry Kane, and I glared at you from across the table. It was an accidental. Play. Sure it was. It was an accidental. Sure it was. Yeah, See so- what happens? They bleed into your brain, Daryl. <laughs> Um, it's worth noting because we haven't talked about this on the show mm-hmm. there is no way Harry Kane plays in the NFL you cannot spend your entire um, life perfecting trying to be a striker and then just go I'm going to go play in the NFL I'm sure he can kick but there are people who have spent their entire careers learning to kick you yes. know what I'm saying I mean yes he could probably try it, it's, it I, we've talked about this before it's harder than he thinks it is yes. the pads are constricting yes uh, it, it, it is not and under pressure it's 
a bit of a challenge there. I, yeah. And also, I don't know if that's the thing he'll end up wanting to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see what happens. Just, we'll see what happens, Harry. Yeah. I mean, with his three World Cup medals, mm-hmm. it would be nice to go do something else. But you could probably just retire, right? Seems realistic. <laughs> you ready for the final question today? I indeed. It comes from Nick Katsanas. Nick wants to know – oh, it's a Man United question. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick says, it seems like after the initial Solskjaer honeymoon phase, the same issues Mourinho had with the Man United squad have cropped up again. So does Manchester United's recent run of poor form vindicate Jose Mourinho? No. End of answer. <laughs> please please explain. All right, fine. By the way, this is the one that I thought I had already answered. I just wrote down my answer earlier. Yeah. Uh, no, I think Jose Mourinho ends up uh, being a national team manager for the very reasons I'm about to say, which is that I think Mourinho's style is outdated and not very uh, capable of reform. So I don't think that it was necessarily just the players that factored into it. I think it was his style did not appeal and does not appeal as much in the current era. I see. So I think that's a big part of it. So even the, the poor runner form, at least, yeah. Manchester United are playing half-decent-looking football. So yeah. that even that doesn't vindicate Mourinho. A little bit. Yeah. But the bigger thing to me is that he had two and a half years. Like, that. that's as opposed to four months and only, what, like a couple months ago was yeah. Solskjaer made the permanent manager? So it was really his team, by the way. Yeah. Then. And yeah. so while I will say that, like, it, it has become more apparent that, like, he wanted players. He did not get the players he wanted. He certainly did not get the caliber of players he wanted. He still had multiple transfer windows when he did bring in the people he wanted. And I think the difference for me is, like, and he's talked recently about how he wished he'd been back to the way Guardiola and Klopp were. And I think when you're Guardiola and Klopp and it seems like, okay, they're definitely building towards something. City also have a lot of people behind the scenes. They have a director of football. Like, you can see the sort of, like what they're doing and how it makes sense. And so if you bring in a fullback and that fullback doesn't work for a very specific reason of, oh, we thought he could do this, he can't do that, we need to bring in another fullback, that to me is like backing that makes sense. Whereas Mourinho was like, well, we needed center backs. Well, you signed two center backs. Yeah, but I, didn't, I want more. Like, I, I guess I feel like there's, there's kind of that like, pattern with Jose Mourinho of like, yeah, I've got what I, I got what I asked for, but it wasn't quite what I asked for, so yeah. I want more. And I don't really have a lot of sympathy for that. But I do get the um, the idea behind Nick's question mm-hmm. is we had that initial jolt when Sasha yeah. took over and suddenly Man United were thrilling, right? Pogba mm-hmm. was scoring endless goals and United were exciting to watch and attack, 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 yeah. attack, attack was all happening. So I guess another way of thinking about this is what went wrong? Why did that – why wasn't it just like, oh, Mourinho's gone. There was, there was kind of a negative mm-hmm. like aura around the team, right? That was gone. Sasha was in. Everyone's feeling positive, playing positive soccer. Goals are flowing. Something changed, right? What what changed? I mean, Carl Hank was on the show last week. He yes. talked, and I, and I think it was a very good point. Was that only last week? It was. Wow. Uh, he talked about how basically that under Mourinho, yes, these players are fit. They, they run. They train. Whatever. But they're trained to be defensive. They're trained to sit back. They're not trained to go press and run around a whole bunch. And I think he's right that I think a lot of these guys are tired. They haven't done this sort of running all season. So it was okay to begin with because they could press yeah. and now they're tired. Yeah. yeah and okay. I think that's one. And then I also – I do think that they were riding an extreme wave of possibility positivity and good chemistry and camaraderie and that can last for a while but as soon as the like kind of cracks form in a wave i don't know how that works but like as soon as like things start to go wrong the wave crests yeah yeah sure there you go like as soon as that happens then so like the momentum drops and so when you have under herrera 
like not be offered a contract or choose to sign for PSG or whatever the story is there. The foundations like get a little bit weaker. David Hay has a bad run of form and also maybe isn't going to re-sign. That kind of knocks it down a little bit. Paul Pogba and those rumors and maybe kind of like like batting his eyes at Real Madrid. All of that impacts the locker room and I think that's part of it too. That it goes from this like we're all together and we're doing it to like ooh but those three maybe aren't together and they're not yeah. with us and now I don't really know. And I also I honestly believe this. Ander Herrera is an excellent soccer player and the mistakes we've seen from Fred playing Ander Herrera's position like it's not all his fault mm-hmm. but it definitely is a downgrade in that sort of like pivot midfielder that has caused all kinds of problems yeah. right and before anyone thinks I'm picking on Fred just watch the Wolves goal yeah right or mm-hmm. watch the way that Barcelona destroy Fred um, for both uh, the first two goals that they score against Man United I really think Ander Herrera would make a difference so there's the emotional aspect and there's mm-hmm. always just the, the uh You've, you've lost kind of a linchpin player because yep. am I right just thinking they're no longer playing him essentially because he says I'm out I'm not signing it, it does seem that way yeah so it's almost the director of football stuff the lack of director of football or the lack of uh, negotiating skills from Ed Woodward is mm-hmm. what's really impacted Solskjaer and made the job a lot harder um, in the last few months I think so yeah. I mean w- we will see I, this is why I, I have said many times before that I was not so pumped when they gave Solskjaer the job I understood why they did in the moment for like emotional reasons it didn't uh, need Carl- to happen did it Carl talked about that as well, about how, like, was it emotion or was it basically Edward, Edward Wood being like, ooh, I could get him and just give him a salary as opposed to giving Tottenham a bunch of money oh, for Pochettino. Carl Anker talked about, yeah, how he was the yeah. affordable option, basically. Yeah, and so time will tell as to if it is, like, the, all the behind-the-scenes stuff and lack of director of football or if it maybe is that Solskjaer is the manager he was at Cardiff. So we'll find out about that. But I, 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 but I think that that is a big part of it, and I think, again, that's where – it can be things can be two things that it can be Solskjaer maybe isn't up to it and maybe they shouldn't have given the job but that doesn't mean that they should have stuck with Mourinho yeah. because he was building towards something it, it was it, the writing was on the wall it was very clear that they were not building towards anything aside from Jose Mourinho being fired that sounds good to me alright end of answering questions mm-hmm. um, ok if you um, would uh, like to support the Total Soccer Show you can go to totalsoccershow.com slash join and if you support us at $10 a month or more we guarantee to answer one of your listening questions per month on the Total Soccer Show unless it's unanswerable. Unless it's unanswerable. I think that's a fair, <laughs> fair, fair plan. So the link for totalsoccershow.com slash join will be in the show notes. All that remains to say is Taylor Rockwell, you over there. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening. Taylor and Ryan will be back on Monday so you can get Ryan's take on Stumblegate. <laughs> 